I don't know where you're at this morning, but it's certainly great to be with you. And maybe it's not morning. Maybe you're watching Sunday evening or uh, one of the days during the week. It's just great to have a chance to connect with you. You know, I had uh, several people this last week ask me how Easter service went with no people in the building. And uh, to be honest, uh, this probably sounds a little extreme, but it was horrible. Um, I missed you so much. I miss, uh, you know, I just miss your love. I miss your excitement about Jesus, your faith. I, I miss how we build each other up when we're gathered together. I just, uh, I just enjoy your friendship and your fellowship so much. So you were greatly missed, and I went home a little bit sad, even though I was uh, celebrating the resurrection. But uh, I, I miss being with you. A few people asked me this last week, uh, are people joining in online? And I just want to say yes. I mean, really, I'm really excited about how the church is being the church during this time when we're being uh, socially distanced and isolated. We're still gathering together in spirit. There have been hundreds of people every week uh, going online and watching our services. In fact, last week during our Easter services at 9 and at 11, we had more than 900 people online during those services watching. And by the end of the week, I think we had about uh, 2,100, I think it was, 2,100 people that had joined in and viewed the service. So, you know, God is at work during this time. I, I love, uh, I think it was the Apostle Paul when he wrote to the church in Philippi, and he was in jail. He was in Rome in chains, and uh, he said to the people, even though I'm in chains, uh, the gospel is not in chains. God was still working, and the gospel was still advancing, and you know, people were getting saved. In fact, he, he said the whole Praetorian Guard, which was literally thousands of soldiers, the whole Praetorian Guard has heard the gospel as, as a result of my chains or my difficulty. And as a result, everywhere they're shipped, the gospel is going. So the Apostle Paul saw that the gospel wasn't in chains. It was still, you know, moving uh, throughout the known world at that time. And, you know, the same is happening in the day we live. This is a really interesting time. And when this first started, and uh, we weren't going to be able to have services and gather together, I wondered what would happen to the church. Well, the church is being the church, and the Holy Spirit is moving, and people are reaching out and connecting, and some of you are inviting others to join with us. And, you know, I love this platform we have. If you go to our website and click live, uh, on that particular platform, there are places where you can, you know, you can chat and talk back, and we'll have people mention that they're in Denmark watching, or we'll have people mention they're in Canada watching, or people in Africa watching. I have no idea what time of day it is <laughs> when, when they're watching, but part of that is because you're reaching out and telling friends or family, people in other states across our nation, Texas, I talked with a man from Texas this week. Mike, if you're watching, uh, welcome here this morning, you and your wife. It's just neat to see how God is connecting us literally uh, around the globe right now. So uh, it's pretty great. In fact, uh, I'm excited to uh, see all that God is going to do when he starts uh, bringing us back together. In fact, I want to talk about that a little bit this morning. I'm going to talk about the new normal, <laughs> you know, life after the resurrection for the disciples. They had a whole new normal to, to begin to try to figure it out, and we're going to talk about that a little bit this morning. Um, you know, this last week, uh, our, 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 our culture has begun to talk about the new normal. Uh, uh, President Trump has uh, kind of presented a, a three-stage plan 
to, to begin to reopen the economy and to begin to deal with uh, groups gathering together, what size groups and what kind of stages will we go through to reopen our, our, our economy and just our connection as people with, with one another. And uh, I know our governor is talking about connecting with, with uh, California and Washington, so the West Coast is kind of moving together with the same effort uh, to continue to keep the numbers down, to keep flattening the curve of the coronavirus and, and, and see it eventually disappear. So uh, there's more for our future in regard to that. But, but one of the big questions that's, that's being asked among people is, what will the new normal be like uh, when, when we go back to Noah? And to be honest, no one really knows. I mean, there are going to be changes. There's no question of that. How will it affect the church? How, how will it affect the way we connect uh, uh, together? That's going to be interesting. My wife uh, read a, a, a quote on Facebook to me from the clergy coaching network. It's interesting, you know, while we're all connecting uh, through the internet right now, uh, everybody's on Facebook, and I think Facebook traffic has increased about 40% in the last month. Uh, the Clergy Coaching Network, they had a, a quote, and it said, uh, uh, in the rush to return to normal, uh, use this time to consider which parts of normal are worth rushing back to. And I love that. I don't, I don't know how this has affected your life in regard to work or kids being at home because of school or, you know, if you're a retired person, you're probably a little bit more isolated than you, you normally are or would, would normally like to be. So, so when we rush back to return to normal, uh, consider what parts of what was normal for you are worth rushing back to. I think that's a great question and something really great for us to try to process and think about. I'm going to do that a little bit this morning by, by talking about the, the, the new normal for the disciples uh, after the resurrection of Jesus. Their, their lives were dramatically changed. And this whole week I have been reading the different uh, stories in the different Gospels, in Matthews and in Marks and in Luke's and in John's, just the different stories, how the different writers wrote about the resurrection and just how it changed the lives of people who are following Jesus. In Matthew 28, verse 8, um, Mary Magdalene, along with some other women, I think one of them was named Joanna, and there were a couple of others named Mary. Apparently that was a popular name at that time. Uh, but they'd come with spices to, to wrap Jesus' body. What, a, what a, <laughs> a labor of love. What a difficult job that would have been. Uh, as they got there, they, they saw that the, the, the stone had been rolled away. They were wondering, how, how are we going to move the stone to get inside the tomb? Uh, the stone had been rolled away. And when they stepped inside the tomb, they saw two angels uh, sitting there, one at the head and one at the foot of where Jesus' body had, had been laid. And it, it, it talks about how they had uh, that white, as white as snow, a clothing. They're trying to describe the brilliance and the brightness of the clothing they're wearing. And of course, when they stepped in there and they looked, uh, the angel said, Jesus is not here. <laughs> he is risen. And, and look at verse 8. It says, And they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to report it uh, to his disciples. With fear and great joy. I, I love that phrase. With fear. They 
They had no idea what was happening. I mean, they had, they had watched Jesus' ministry. They had followed his teachings. They saw the miracles. And then they watched him be crucified and, and laid in the tomb. And now they show up and the tomb is empty. And, and there was kind of a, a fear there. I mean, what's happening? They, they had fear, but they had great joy because God was up to something. He was doing something. And there was a, a sense of anticipation uh, that was that was happening there in their life. And I'm gonna talk about three things this morning that truly changed for them, changed their life forever. Number one, uh, they were gonna have a whole new relationship with Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. That was gonna be totally different and, and a total change. Number two, uh, they were gonna have a whole new identity as, as children of God. And it was something they'd never grasped. And to be honest, it's something I struggle with a lot. So we'll talk about that again this morning. And then another thing that was gonna be totally new is they had a whole new mission and ministry to the world. It was so different than what they'd been raised with in Judaism. And so we'll talk about how Jesus defines the gospel in John 20. So we're gonna jump into those three things and, and talk a little bit about a new normal after the resurrection and hopefully get a glimpse of some things the Holy Spirit is wanting to do in us here this morning. But let me start with a prayer. And You know, as I've been um, just listening to worship this morning, I. I believe God is speaking something prophetically to someone as you're watching. And it's, I, I know it's a little strange to be watching a sermon, at least it is for me when I do it, to be watching online and, and believe that God is speaking to you personally. But I believe he is. I believe he's speaking to us personally. I, I, I just believe there's someone here this morning. God has a personal word to you. And I trust he's gonna deliver that with the help of the Holy Spirit here this morning. So Jesus... Uh, right now, we just set our, we set everything aside and set our hearts to seek you together in, in one spirit, Lord, wherever we are, whether we're uh, in Texas or whether we're across the nation, Lord, in another state or up in Canada or somewhere around the world, Lord, we set our hearts, we pray for one another that each one of us would hear what Jesus is saying uh, for our own lives and, of course, in the, in the life of the church, Lord. Thank you for speaking to us this morning. We're looking forward to hearing all that you have to say in Jesus' name, and maybe you could say amen with me as we get started this morning. Okay, number one, after the resurrection, their new normal, uh, the disciples and all the followers of Jesus, they were going to have a whole new relationship with Jesus through the power and person of the Holy Spirit. Remember, uh, I think it's in John 14 that Jesus said, uh, You've had the Holy Spirit with you, but now he's going to be in you. In fact, in John 16, verse 7, I'll show you this verse. Uh, Jesus said this, It is to your advantage that I go away. Uh, for if I don't uh, go away, or do not go away, the, Holy, the helper, Holy Spirit, the advocate, the counselor, uh, the, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Do you know that you have it better than the disciples did? I don't think we think of it that way sometimes. I think, I, think, I think about how wonderful it would have been to be one of the disciples and to, to watch the miracles of Jesus, to, to, to watch when Jesus raised the dead. Can you imagine what that was like? A person who was stone cold, Suddenly being raised back to life, his, his skin tone becoming warm again and just, 
just the look on his eyes when he came alive. I can't imagine looking at the people that were watching that take place. I can't imagine what that would have been like. I can't, can't imagine a, a man who had been lame suddenly walking, leaping to his feet, or someone's eyes who were blind being opened, and just the wonder of seeing all the things that they had listened to but never never seen before, I would have loved to be one of Jesus' disciples. I would have loved to have been there when, when Jesus, remember the woman who had been caught in adultery, literally, I mean, in the act, and of course these religious leaders uh, drug her out of the house. I, I can't imagine how humiliated and shamed she was. I, I love the wisdom and authority that Jesus had to deal with that confrontational situation. Remember, he, he bent down and, he, and he, roped, he rode in the dirt and then he stood up and said, he was without sin, cast the first stone. And, and, and it just, it just it sucked the air out of the room. I mean, those with stones, they just, I mean, what could they do? What could they say? They ended up dropping their stones. In fact, it says the oldest to the youngest started dropping their stones because they, they, they felt the truth of what Jesus was saying. It was so powerful. I, I would have loved to see a, a man with that kind of wisdom in those kind of moments. I, I would have loved to see the authority that Jesus had when he, you know, he made a rope out of cords. Remember, he drove the money changers out of the temple. I, I, would, I would have loved to see a purity of anger, a righteous anger, uh, toward uh, a situation where people were defiling uh, the, the temple of God. You know, we don't get many opportunities within our culture to see a purity or a perfection in a, in a human being. And of course, the disciples got to see all that. But during all that time, the Holy Spirit was among them, but he wasn't in them. And Jesus said, it is better that I go. Because those of you who have Jesus in you are going to have it better than those who just watched, so to speak, the Holy Spirit's work from a distance. So you have it better uh, than the disciples did. That, that's amazing to me to begin to think about my opportunity to know Jesus internally is so much deeper and richer than even the disciples got to experience. Jesus said it this way. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 11, this is what he said about John the Baptist. He, he said, no man born of woman is greater than John the Baptist, but he who is least in the kingdom of heaven will be greater than he. Jesus said, no man born of woman, no physical human being was, was a man of more character more, more reverence for God. You remember John the Baptist? He had the, he had the uh, camel hair coat, which intentionally was scratchy and uncomfortable. It was an illustration of not being comfortable with the things of this world, but literally denying the comforts of, of, of this life. Uh, John the Baptist was, was a godly man, and, and Jesus said, no man born of woman is greater than John the Baptist, but he who is least in the kingdom of heaven, talking about those who have been born again, he who is least in the kingdom of heaven will be greater than he. You know, see, John didn't get to receive the Holy Spirit and be born again. He didn't get to experience uh, the, the, the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was poured out. 
Uh, he, he, he was a godly man, a man of tremendous character, but he didn't have the person and power of the Holy Spirit within him to transform and change his life from the inside. And that's the opportunity that God has given us because of the death and resurrection and, of course, the, the coming of the Holy Spirit. I, I, I want to start a series about the Holy Spirit next week because I, I feel like this uh, season where we're um, socially isolating from one another, uh, maybe withdrawing a little bit. I don't know if you have cut down on the amount of activities or the busyness or the coming and going uh, in your life uh, as much as I have, but I, I just feel like there's an opportunity for us to get to know the person of the Holy Spirit and learn to hear his voice even more during this uh, season of quarantine that we're having. I don't, I don't want to miss my opportunity. I want to make the best of my quarantine, so to speak, and I can't think of a better way for me to use this time than, than to get to know the Holy Spirit and recognize him speaking to me and his leadership in my life. So I'm going to talk about that uh, beginning next week, and I want to I give you some homework. I want to invite you to read John chapter 14, 15, and 16, where Jesus teaches his disciples about the person of the Holy Spirit. You know, they didn't understand what he was saying uh, when he taught them those things because they didn't understand the death and the resurrection and, of course, then the coming of the Holy Spirit. But, but looking back now, we can, and those are some of the richest, richest verses. In fact, I'll encourage you to write down maybe some of the things you see Jesus taught that the Holy Spirit would do for us in our life. We're going to know Jesus because because the Holy Spirit's going to make him real. The Holy Spirit's going to guide us and lead us into all truth. He's going to cause us to be born again. He's going to open our eyes so that we understand the scriptures. He's going to help us pray in Jesus' name. He's going to help develop a, a relationship with the Father that is beyond anything anyone had ever experienced before because the Holy Spirit is going to teach us how to pray in Jesus' name. And he's going to help us uh, know the love that God has for us and he's going to help us obey out of love uh, for the Father. Just There's so many things uh, in those chapters. So I want to in, in, invite you to uh, read them. See, I, God is up to something new. Our, our, our world around us, our culture, certainly embracing some changes. And, but I just believe that God is wanting to do something new in your heart and in your life. I don't believe you're supposed to waste this opportunity. We got a lot of people, you know, binging on Netflix or whatever uh, during this uh, time of, of staying at home, being isolated. Wouldn't it be great to maybe binge a little on the Holy Spirit or get to know him a, a little more during this season? So... That's one of the first things that I see that's a part of the new normal uh, with the disciples after the resurrection. Second thing is they were going to have a whole new identity as children of God. And, and Jesus does a great job of sharing this with Mary in John chapter 20. Uh, Mary uh, looks and sees a man there just outside of the tomb, and she thinks it's a gardener. But uh, it was Jesus. And of course, 
she didn't recognize him. And all of a sudden, when he spoke her name and said, Mary, she recognized his voice. And she, 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 she it's Jesus. She says, Rabboni, her teacher. She falls at his feet. And I, I, you know, I, I imagine her grabbing uh, or putting her arms around his feet as, a, as an act of just worship or devotion or dedication. And in John chapter 20, Verse 17, Jesus says these words. He says, don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father, but go find my brothers and tell them, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Do you see how Jesus called his disciples brothers? He says, but go find my brothers. (laughs) Hadn't they just... Uh, ran for their lives, literally denying him the night he was arrested. Uh, They all ran for fear. And and yet Jesus identifies with them here. He says, go find my brothers and tell them I'm ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Now, Jesus is saying something to Mary here that she had never thought of. I'm ascending to my father and your father, Mary. Mary. To, to my God and, and to your God. I, I don't know if you know anything about Mary, but Mary Magdalene, it says in, in, in Mark chapter 16, verse 9, she was a woman whom Jesus had, had delivered from seven demons. I, I, I'm not sure all that that meant for her. I know when there's demonic strongholds in people's lives, they are tormented uh, mentally, emotionally, behaviorally, <laughs> And, and, and relationally, there, there are so many issues in their life as a result of the instability that comes because of demonic presence in their life. And I guess that's a polite way for me to say that Mary's life was a mess. And, and she, to be honest, she, she didn't know what genuine love was all about. I mean, if she wasn't being used, um, she, she just didn't know relationship. And so her life was horribly troubling. And yet... Jesus came to set the captives free, and of course, he had delivered her from uh, the spiritual torment that she lived with in her life. But no one felt less worthy to be loved by God than Mary did. No one felt like she didn't belong uh, more, more than Mary did, and yet Jesus, do you see these words in verse 17? I'm ascending to my Father and your Father to my God and your God. And when Jesus says that to Mary, he's saying that to you. My Father and your Father. Do you see the belonging? Did you see how Jesus included her and how he's included you in his family? I know it's so difficult for us to, to grasp that if you're a man here this morning, Jesus calls you brother. I don't know what that feels like to you, but it's just such a stretch for me to feel worthy to... To, to be called his brother or, or, or even the idea, my father and your father, my God and your God, the idea that he includes me in his family is just amazing. The Apostle Paul talks about that in Ephesians chapter 1. He says, in Christ, I think 17 times in that chapter, and, and he uses the phrase, in Christ. In Christ, we, we have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. In Christ, We've been adopted into God's family. In, in Christ, we've, we've received forgiveness. And in Christ, we have an inheritance. I, I have no idea 
all that that means, but it's far beyond any inheritance we could receive on this earth. And, you know, I think a lot of us have read those verses before, and, and we know it theologically, but for you to experience emotionally what it means to belong, to, to truly be a brother or truly be a sister, Jesus to call you brother or sister, or to, to the Father, uh, our Father to, to include us as a son or, or as a daughter. There, there's something in that new identity that we have that really begins to change the way we think. It really begins to change our self-confidence. Our identity dictates so much uh, to us in regard to how we respond or how we react to different circumstances or, or situations. When we know that God has our back, that he's our father, I mean, it changes a lot of things in our life. And uh, I, I, just, I just love that. We all need that. We need that personal encounter with Jesus to help us with some of those emotional issues in our soul that we can't, we can't really seem to resolve ourselves. In fact, if you'll take a minute and read through the resurrection story in all four of the Gospels, in, in Matthew, in Mark, in Luke, and, and in John, one of the things you'll see is the different ways that Jesus encounters uh, the disciples. And he, he encountered each one of them so differently. And with Mary, he talks about this sense of belonging, my father and your father my God and your God. Uh, for the disciples on the road to Emmaus, I believe it's about chapter 24 in Luke, they were so confused. And it says that Jesus opened their minds to the scripture. I don't know if you've ever been confused and needed guidance. Jesus has the ability literally to open our mind to the scripture in a way that helps us see beyond the circumstances. We need those kind of encounters uh, with the person of Jesus. The disciples in the upper room, of course, they were terrified uh, that they might be arrested and killed like Jesus was. They had no idea what was going to happen. And Jesus enters the room and says, peace. And then he says, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. And he gives them a whole new sense of assignment. He's, it, it says he breathes on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And then he, he, he lays out or he defines the heart of the gospel we're going to talk about in, in, in a minute. But, but you see how Jesus saw their need, understood how they felt, and he ministered to that need. Thomas, of course, he was struggling with doubts, very pragmatic, practical person. And of course, he appears and shows him his hands and his side. And, and Peter, <laughs> I love this story of Peter in John 21. Uh, you know, Peter, he had denied the Lord three times and he was struggling so much with his failure. And when Jesus shows up in John 21, one of the things you notice is that Jesus didn't even bring up his failure. All Jesus said to Peter was, Peter, do you love me? Then he says, tend my lambs. <laughs> Peter, do you love me? Uh, feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? And feed my lambs. It's just like he, he didn't want Peter to live with regret. He wanted him to get up and move on. And, you know, the amazing thing to me is how well Jesus knows each one of us and how intimately he comes. And one of the things I love about the resurrection, one of the things I love about the new normal, now that the Holy Spirit is in us and we're learning to know Jesus and walk with him through the power of the Holy Spirit. We have this whole new identity. One of the things I love is how he comes to us personally. 
and touches things that we can't change. You see, Jesus can step into your soul and, and give you love where you've lost love. He, he can give you a sense of authority in your life that you, you didn't have before. All of a sudden, you've got self-control in your mind and in emotions that, that you didn't have before. Jesus steps in. And many times, that's the way change begins to happen. We, we still have to do what it says in, in, in Romans 12. It says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And, and, and we, get to, you know, we get to memorize scriptures. We get to meditate on the word. We get to practically work out the character that Jesus speaks to us about. But it's the power of his presence that comes and brings healing that, that we can't accomplish on our own. We, we need that. You, you see, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, your, your, your life's not the same. There's a new normal. Uh, you've been invited into a supernatural life with a supernatural Jesus, with a supernatural relationship through the power and person of the Holy Spirit. And what a privilege that is for us. Uh, you know, I, I believe there are things for your future that you don't see yet that Jesus wants to step in in a moment and show you in your life and lead you toward in your life. That's exciting to me. That's kind of like with fear and great joy. Uh, you're terrified because you know you don't have the strength to do it. And yet there's great anticipation that he's going to be with you and the power of the Holy Spirit is going to help you. And that is, that is such a, an amazing thing. So let me read that quote from the clergy uh, coaching network again and, and let's ponder this a little bit in the rush to return to normal use this time to consider which parts of normal are worth rushing back to what kind of things do you want Jesus to do in your life how, how honest are you willing or able uh, to become to, to let Jesus began to work in your life or in your marriage or in your family. I mean, how vulnerable are you willing to be? I believe Jesus is willing to speak into those circumstances and do a work that you couldn't do on your own and then give you a ministry and a mission uh, to the world. And that's the third one we'll talk about. It, uh, it, says, uh, it says here in, in John chapter 20, verse 19 through 23, let me read these verses uh, to you this morning. It says, uh, <clears throat> that Sunday evening, that evening, the day of the resurrection, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors uh, because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side, and they were filled with joy. And when they saw the Lord, <laughs> again he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Uh, if you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. You know, verse 23 is a, is a verse that I have skipped over a bunch of times because it's just like, what does that mean? <laughs> but I, I really believe Jesus defines the gospel there. Do you know the gospel is about forgiveness? That is so much different than, 
what the, the Jewish disciples were raised with. They were raised with a religious culture that was all about pointing out failure and all about pointing out sins. But the good news of, of Jesus is that the gospel is all about forgiveness. And the gospel we're sharing with people, it's not about pointing out their failures or pointing out their sins. But the gospel we're sharing is about forgiveness, that because of God's forgiveness, our relationship with him can, can be restored. I don't know about you, but I need forgiveness. I mean, that's like the thing. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. I, I don't know if, there are any, if there's anyone like me, but I've got people that I've been ministering to, and uh, I don't know. God has just given me forgiveness for them. I mean, I've tried to minister, and they're not ready yet. And Maybe you're like me. You're just being patient. You're praying, and you're still forgiving because you know, for whatever reason, they're just not ready to make that commitment or that decision. See, the gospel we carry is about forgiveness, and this is kind of an, uh, helping us identify what's going on in our soul. I, I, don't, I don't know about you, but there are people... I can't forgive. I mean, it's not that I'm not willing, but, but when I'm with them, I can literally see a wickedness there in their heart that is closed to God, and they take the truth and they twist it, and there's just an unwillingness for them to repent or, or to learn. You know, there are people that I'm more than willing to forgive, but there are people that I can't. And I think you and I, as we grow in the gospel, the gospel alive in us. There's forgiveness for so many people. I'd say the majority of people in a variety of situations and circumstances and we're sharing forgiveness and we're sharing love. It could be someone in your family. Uh, it could be someone in the workplace. It could be someone here in the community and you're just filled with love and forgiveness. You're praying for them. Uh, you're thinking of them. But then there are people where there's just a boundary and, and, and you can't. I remember several years ago, there was a, a brother who had attended our church and there were some things he had done and some things he was doing and some, some things he just wasn't willing to deal with. And I felt like the Holy Spirit said to me, stop praying for him. Let him go. And, and so I did. There was a situation in, in Corinthians where, where the Apostle Paul said, I'm, I'm turning him over to Satan and letting him deal with him, hoping that he would repent. I, I felt like God was saying something to me that I just needed to let him go and allow the Holy Spirit to work on him and his life. And, you know, this gospel that we carry within us is so real and it's so powerful. And uh, I, I'm trusting God to work through our lives to help us continue to communicate and share the gospel, offering forgiveness, offering relationship, offering love. And then for some people, there's like a boundary there and we need to turn them over uh, to whatever God's gonna do to bring them back. I don't know if you've ever prayed, God, whatever it takes, bring them back. But as we walk out this gospel, we wanna let the Holy Spirit lead us and guide us and help us be ambassadors, uh, sharing the good news in a, in a variety of different ways. I'm gonna, I'm gonna invite the worship team to come on up to help us close this morning. I don't know what the future has, but I know one of the things is that God has a ministry and a mission through our lives to the world. And as you 
uh, go forward as we begin to reopen our economy or, or reopen our social connections with people. I just want to encourage you. We need the Holy Spirit's help. We need him to give us wisdom. We need him to give us direction. We, we need him to power us. I have no idea what the church is going to look like. I, how quickly will we uh, be allowed to, 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 to regather together in a large group? Are we going to open up groups of 10 or 50 or 200? I mean, how's our, our, our state here on the West Coast? How, how are we going to do it? I have no idea. But God has a plan to, to help us embrace our culture. Maybe some of us will end up uh, opening up our homes when we're allowed to have 10 and you'll have like small group church and watch online or you know maybe we'll be allowed to have as many as 50 in a group and we'll rent a space and, and gather together. I don't know how the Holy Spirit is, is going to lead all this but he's at work in the world and he is calling people. You know there are some people that would rather go to a smaller group and receive Christ than walk into a big place like our church sanctuary. I just want to be open to his leading. So I'm going to offer us up to the Lord here this morning. I'm going to ask for his guidance and his direction. And Jesus, I want to pray uh, for each person who's watching and listening. Lord, I believe just in the same way you appeared to the different disciples uh, at different ways, Lord, you spoke different things to them. Lord, there are unique ways that you want to appear to us and reveal yourself to us in this season as we move toward a new normal in our life. And so I pray for every person watching. Help them be honest with you, be vulnerable, be transparent. Lord, help them allow the Holy Spirit to come to bring the healing and to re bring the rebuilding in their life. And Lord, help us be ambassadors of Jesus Christ, communicating forgiveness and love wherever we go. Lord, help us be intercessors wherever we go with the help of the Holy Spirit. I don't know what's in store for us as a church, but Lord, I know that we're in your hands and you have our, our future, Lord, all planned for us. And we just offer ourselves to you this morning. Thank you for your presence here. We love you, Jesus, this morning. Pray these things in your wonderful name, Jesus. Thank you for hearing our prayers. Can we say amen together? Amen. Why don't we sing this song?